This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, and the thing is, if it was purely a sex addiction, I would have hope that he could and would change. But it's not. It's It's abuse. It's just a blatant disrespect for women and other people. It's so many things that you don't heal by going to a little rehab stint. And I learned from... The first time around when he was supposed to be off his phone and stuff like he just goes right back to the same thing and he would take any opportunity yeah. he could to shoot a message and check in and do all these things when he was supposed to be this reformed family man and like he admitted over and over again he doesn't want to change he's not going to change so it's like it re- unfortunately removes that element of hope like in in me at least that there's going to be any difference because if he's not caught he will keep doing the exact same thing over and over well it's it's the same thing you he yep i'm a sex addict i'm going for that but that's not his problem so it's you know it's you got to go for the right problem and i think he's got a controlled god complex that he proved during getting caught and canceled when he clamped down on you and made you go more and more what can i what what he can had I me push call him push. God. Oh, Did he you? literally had me call him God. Oh my gosh. Oh, I'm not I'm not joking. He oh, I, I I know that. Because at first he would um he liked when I would say that he was like a Greek god, like that he mm. was like I made a comment before, and then he literally said verbatim, I am God. Welcome, fellow leshes. Come on in, pull up a bar stool, and enjoy some cocktails with dimples and the beard. Uh, tavern is now open welcome back fellow lushes to another episode of cocktails with dimples in the beard trying to be a little more serious with the intro because the topic on this one is a little more serious it is it's gonna be a serious conversation so we're just gonna talk but in the meantime, still a beautiful woman though absolutely we will have that on beautiful young lady and we'll see where that goes but we'll just talk the serious stuff in the meantime give uh give us a subscribe give us a like share this content this is going to be one you're going to want to pause you're going to want to watch some documentaries you're going to come back you're going to share it with everybody uh if you leave a comment for us and this time we'll just uh probably do a we're going to be sensitive sallies today so you can leave that comment yeah you can call us um i don't know what you can call us idiots or something that we're if that's what you think, but 
honestly, if you, uh, I'm going to, you know, normally we, we shell and pan for comments and we want all the comments we can get, but if you're going to talk shit about our guest, save your fucking comment and move on. That's all I'm going to say. We don't want to hear it. So um, you, you can ask legitimate comments. Can, yes, for I'll sure. Leave a legitimate comment. Sure. But if you're just going to bash, if you want to call somebody stupid save or that for us, save yeah. that for us, call Yeah. Call us stupid. That's fine. But you say bad words about the guest and I will delete those comments. Gonna, we will hunt you down. We will hunt you no, down. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. No. oh, Jesus. Okay. Anyway. So we're going to talk to, we're, we're going to talk to Jasmine Wolf here in, in a, in a few minutes, Jasmine, uh, who's in a, we don't know the name now, torrid relationship with, with comedian Chris D'Elia, allegedly. We're just going to say straight off the bat that everything, everything in this podcast, the whole episode is alleged her word against his apparently. So Chris D'Elia, if you want to sue us, go to town. There's like $250 in the business account. You her can have common. it. Come on tell your side of the story. That would be even better. I mean, you know what? We're, we're open to both alleged sides of the story yes so but until then we can only tell the ones that want to speak and right. that's what we're here today. Well, that and, only, we're, and we're going to focus on that we so, can only tell the ones that want to speak to us right so not everybody uh of the allegedly 500 girls you were conversing with during it, your period 500 is that what it is that's what uh, his old manager said jesus that at, at one given time I think about it, you know, he's touring around the whole country. Yeah. A couple here, a couple, you know, I want to, I want to give a little, a little shout not out that he, not, you know, but go ahead. I want to give a little shout out to comedian Kyle Anderson, who did the documentary, the Crystalia problem. Um, I think, you know, a lot of us had heard about some of these allegations, but I didn't know the extent of them until I watched the documentary. I wish I had watched it sooner, honestly. Well, that's true. Um, it that's came true. out last December and it, and, you know, it's a pretty, um, involved detailed uh, you know description of kind of all the things that happen and and if Kyle should watch this and wants to come on we would love to talk to him as well so and if you're gonna watch it watch to the end because he explains why he created the documentary why he did it um which is it helps put everything together because he's he's not getting anything out of it he's not no except, except satisfaction maybe a, except maybe helping. an appearance on cocktails with dimples in the beard which no. I'm sure is what he was after probably the whole He's like thought process behind it. He's like, I know they just had Sarah Tiana on big time comedian. I uh, that's true. Maybe so, they wanna yeah, well, you know what, Kyle? It worked. We've had Josh Potter, we've had Chase O'Donnell, we've had the comedians, we've had Earl Skakel. And they pretty much we've had Dave Williamson, Forrest Shaw. Yeah. I mean, we don't talk about those two anymore, you know, <laughs> since they stole their podcast idea. <laughs> stole it. <laughs> uh anyway, and and, let, and, bef- won't, and won't before we won't, get into this uh, challenge, won't accept our challenge. To play the water polo to watch me draw. I want, yeah, that's the only reason I want to do it. Um, and before we get into the into the the stuff that's a little, you know, trigger warning. I mean, we'll I think we need to say up. we need to say that. Um, you know, if allegations of sexual abuse and and that sort yeah, of thing, talked about a lot of a lot of serious stuff bother you. You 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 know you may want not want to watch the episode. I know that that's a thing now. We want to keep hey, it. And safe. you know what? When so. somebody doesn't want to watch something, what is that's why they have the X, right? Yeah, they can just they turn can it just off. Turn it off. They can just. Well, I'm not. I'm not saying this as a like pussy. Blah, blah, no, blah. I know that. I understand that. Thing. I understand like, that. But, I know there are people that get. But if know, anybody be wants to continue on, yeah. To, to again going back to the bad comments, just move on with your life. Thousand percent. Also, Jasmine Wolf has a music aspiring music career, and you can find her on Spotify. And I want to get that out there at the beginning because I know a lot of people. Don't make it to the end of these. 
But anyways, look at that. Here she is. Never keep a pretty lady waiting. So without further ado, our guest, Jasmine Wolf. No. Hello. Hello. Hi. Don't mind me. How are you? I, don't mind me. I'm just wrapping a little ice ice baby while we wait. Oh, amazing. Yeah. We love that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's how that's how we start them all. I just I just bust out a little uh ice ice baby. You, you, you might love it, but I hear it way too much to love it. <laughs> You got to dip into freestyles, start doing some of those. Have you, uh, have you seen Harry Mack? Do you know who Harry Mack is? No. If you like freestyle rap, check out his YouTube channel. The dude is amazing. He I'm will, writing this down. He will just walk around the streets of like New Orleans and stuff and have people give him three random words. And then he yeah. busts out a freestyle off the top of his head, implements the words. He will implement Ooh. like stuff like off of people's t-shirts and stuff. It's Yeah. It is ridiculous. The dude is. That's the point I want to see you at. <laughs> Me too. Me no. too. I've never wanted to be a rapper, but now I do. It just I happens guess. sometimes. <laughs> so thank you for joining us, Jasmine. We really appreciate it. We're, we, we, we said in our little intro that, you know, we're here to talk about a little more serious subject than we normally do. Yeah. So we want to give it its, you know, we want to give it its due and, and Absolutely. let you, let you tell your story. You were uh, in a bit of a torrid relationship with uh, comedian Crystalia. And, you know, yes. I think a lot, a lot of people have probably seen the allegations. Um, I advise everybody to, you know, at this point, if you haven't seen the Crystalia problem documentary, maybe pause it and go watch it and then come back and watch this because I think Kyle Anderson did a great job. Did. It's, with, it's a wonderful documentary and it, it, yeah. it doesn't just focus. It, it yeah. just talk, talks like we're going to today. Yeah. Yeah. So where did it all start? Where did, when did you become a, a fan or, you know, how did you first learn of, of Crystalia? So. I wouldn't have considered myself necessarily a fan, but I knew of who he was because my parents used to watch the show Whitney. Um, <laughs> so I kind of caught him, yeah, on TV here and there. And then the new season, season two of You had just come out. So I had watched that and uh, an acquaintance of mine had reposted one of Chris's rants on their story. And I found it funny. And I just, I had this kind of like newfound confidence after a pretty tumultuous breakup um I was in the middle of a divorce and so it was definitely a complicated situation but I um I just decided to reach out and see what happened and he ended up responding immediately um he moved the conversation from Instagram to a different text number he had one of those text apps oh, and sure. then it went very quickly to snapchat and that's when from that day on it was march 13th of 2020 it was all day everyday contact wow well, yeah so that is kind of odd to just um i'm gonna reach out to a, uh, a comedian i mean we do it yeah you said did you think you had a connection with him were you reaching out to say you're funny or were you thinking i think i i think we have a i wouldn't want to say a connection because you haven't met the man but what yeah what was that push I think for me, I, it was my first time being single in a very, very long time. Um, I had been married for years and I think I was just kind of testing the waters of being single and realizing like I am allowed to um, just strike up a conversation with, with a guy. And it's yeah. like, it was kind of just me exploring and realizing that I have options that are that are bigger than just like my small city. Like I have, like, it was just kind of, I don't want to say like an experiment because I didn't really think anything would come out of it, but it was just, like I said, me kind of testing 
enjoying newfound freedom essentially yeah, for sure. okay for sure. yeah and I, so you didn't and I found him attractive and you know i just i thought he was funny and i thought he did a good job on the show so it was just yeah it was a one-off thing that i like i said didn't really see going anywhere yeah i assume like like we do with some of the people we invite to to come on here you probably thought you were sending a message that was just going to end up in the wasteland and you were never going to hear anything back and 100 uh, percent and like like us with the podcast when we get people who respond and say they'll come on, it's like, fuck yeah, that's awesome. And you right? know, you, yeah. you, feel the, Excited, yeah. you feel the adrenaline, you feel the rush of it. And, uh, and like you said, you're in this, you're in this state, you're getting divorced. So I can imagine you're in kind of a vulnerable spot at this point in your life. So yeah. that attention probably felt pretty good. And It did. Absolutely. And I think that was a huge thing for me is a lot of people don't seem to understand how I could possibly have entered into a situation like that. And one thing that I wanted to make clear was it didn't start like that right off the bat. I mean, things kind of, it was very intrinsically and like incrementally like that things kind of came on. Um, so in the very beginning, it just seemed fun. And he seemed like a funny guy, a, a sweet person. He seemed like he could understand my situation because I was told at the time that him and Kristen had no relationship. He told me that they were just living together because they just had their child. Um, so in my head, I thought this was just the type of thing where he got somebody pregnant and they were doing their best to make it work for their newborn. And I, I respected that and I really believed that. So yeah, it definitely, um, it, it seemed like, I don't want to say fate, but it seemed like it, it just was too perfect and looking back it obviously was too good to be true but um at the time it seemed like a really good potential connection yeah that's what i always told my kids if it seems too good to be true it, it probably is, is. <laughs> yes. yeah but yeah it, it doesn't always affect yeah yeah well and it's mm -hmm. yeah that's that's not always true though so you know it's 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 advice but it's not it's, always it's yeah it's a it's just in it, not just love and everything yeah yeah you know mm -hmm. i i hate to i hate to simplify it as much as i do with the podcast but we you know there, we've had guests on that we thought would never happen and when you mm -hmm. say it's too good to be true you know th i mean sometimes i it mean is. that's true sometimes it works out can have, yeah it can but yeah so, but that you question it is the did, biggest thing that you go you question it then i'm curious did yeah. he know of your situation that you were getting divorced you were still living before he before he volunteered the information about him and in Kristen because it mm -hmm. seems to me like maybe he played off of what you were yes. going through to oh look at we're the same yeah um and now looking back I realized that was obviously a manipulation tactic but he I had explained kind of what was going on in my life because the conversation started off kind of flirty um, just fun and silly and then we kind of just got to talking about life and where we were at and what was going on in each other's and I did divulge that first um, about myself and my situation the fact that I had a young daughter um, and then that's when he said that he also he had a newborn mine my daughter was three at the time but um, he said that he had a newborn and kind of gave me the whole spiel and even multiple times after that I because he had me watch the podcast, one thing that he became really obsessed with was me not only watching his podcast, but listening to it because it used to come out on Spotify first. So he would want me to listen to it, tell him what I thought about it, and then go watch it as well. And like, basically, like, that was like, almost homework was to like, relay my thoughts about the podcast and to like, hype him up. Um, but I had noticed the more I watched that he would use the term wifey. 
And so I, I, in the beginning was more, I don't want to say confrontational, but somewhat like where I had more of a voice. So I questioned him on it. And every single time I was told that, no, 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 I just like, that's how I refer to her. Like, there's no relationship. Like it was completely as if it was entirely platonic. Sure. Sure. And I, you know, I, I, I don't think it's on you to, you know, I don't, I, I don't think it's fair to, or to put blame on you for, you know, if he's, that's what he's telling you, then what are you, you know, that's what you're supposed to believe. Right. So I, I don't think it's fair to be like, Oh, why did you, you, if you know, he's in this relationship or you think he's in this relationship. I mean, yeah, that's, that's not your problem. He's telling you something different and you're, you're believing him. So. And, and that was one thing too, is I know that I was in a vulnerable spot. I know I wasn't in the best headspace and I was very naive and I, because I hadn't really dealt with somebody like that before. Like I, I just assume the best in everybody. So when someone's telling me something, I'm taking that at face value. And I know that again, it was naivety looking back, but I just genuinely believed him. Yeah. yeah. So how quickly did it turn into, you said flirty at first. Now you're telling your mm-hmm. stories. We all, you know, it's, dating and how quickly did it turn into i want to see you i want to meet you we need to further this relationship very fast um because he kept the contact going consistently from that point on um it was almost like i didn't even have time to stop and look around and think about it like we just we rushed into everything and we were talking constantly and so very quickly i would say within a few weeks I had sent him a video and his response was I've never felt that way from a video I love you and I questioned it I was like do you actually like you mean that and he was like no I really do I love you and that was within a few weeks and now again hindsight is 2020 I'm looking back and I know it's textbook love bombing yeah and that's 100% what he was doing but um yeah so and even within a few weeks was when he had mentioned how he would love if I was to get like a tattoo for him. And that was the initials tattoo. Um, I didn't end up getting it until August of 2020. Um, but yeah, so everything moved very fast. Sure. Uh, and he wow, talked about that, me. that quickly to get a tattoo. That's, that's crazy. Yeah. So yeah, we started speaking in March and I had his initials tattooed in August mm-hmm. and it just, it all went very, very fast. Um, even talking about moving in. So he knew that I was in Canada. Um, and that's one of the things that he had very first asked me when we were texting is how old I was and where I was from. Um, and I said the name of my city and I was surprised that he he knew of it because it's not like, there's like a neighboring metropolis and this sure. is not that. So <laughs> um, yeah, so I was very surprised that he even knew of, he said he had been here recently. And um, so anyhow, yeah, he had mentioned, uh, I'd say two weeks in, he said, if you lived here, I would like want you to be my girlfriend. And again, I kind of like took it with a grain of salt. I didn't really like know if he was being serious. And he ended up saying a couple weeks after that, that he wanted me to move to LA and to be there constantly. And at the time, it was actually something I had discussed with my, uh, with my ex-husband. We had planned on moving to LA and we were looking into it. And he was like looking into getting a transfer from his current job to out in the States um it's just something I had always wanted to do I wanted to live there for music for so many things like it just seemed ideal 
Um, and so obviously when he said that, I was like, wow, maybe this is the opportunity. Like now yeah. it's going to work out. Like maybe I could move out there and do like, because my custody arrangement was split. So I figured that I could split my time between Canada and the States and that it would work out. And again, incredibly naive, but I, I really believed that this was a good opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, so what was the time frame then of you actually meeting? When was the first time you met Chris? Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> I was supposed to meet him on that trip in August. Um, but because of the cancellation, he had every excuse in the books for why he couldn't see me. Um, I ended up going out to LA by myself. Um, and I was apartment hunting. And then in September of 2020, I moved there. And that whole trip, he kept promising over and over that he had financial help for me, um, that he just needed to see me in person because he couldn't have a paper trail. Uh, all this stuff and he ended up that entire trip I was there from September to mid-October and he didn't see me once um, wow. and then when I had moved back to Canada things got a lot more intense in terms of like sexual demands and the level of control that he had I think because he felt that I was at the brink of leaving and walking away so he sure. really tightened the reins um, and then I didn't end up meeting him until my following birthday in September. So oh. it took, yeah, a year and a half, a year and a half of, of, so your love prospered over texts and videos. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Which, which in the happens all the time, actually. Exactly. And that's another thing that I was factoring in is that I was never single in the age of Tinder and all the, like when the dating apps got popular. So I was trying to be open to something different. Like I figured mm -hmm. a long distance relationship, like why not? And one of the things that Chris had said in the beginning was that he told me that he was non-monogamous. And that was something, again, I took at face value and I, I believed him. And he said that he just, that's not something monogamy wasn't something he was interested in. And I had only ever been in one long-term monogamous relationship. So again, this idea of, something new test like testing out something different kind of seemed appealing at the time yeah. so yeah it was definitely open to the the different situations that he seemed to be laying out in the beginning and he even talked about me like putting me up in a house he said that he was looking to get a second house and so there were all these grand promises of like what the future was sure. going to look like and what things were going to be and Obviously, I found out down the road that none of this was going to align with reality, but that was at the time what I thought was going to happen. Yeah. Uh, and it's devastating when, you, when it doesn't. But so you, I mean, how far into it did you know that there were other girls? I mean, you say he, you know, he talked about being non monogamous. How, how far into it was, did that come about? Yep. So he very quickly would make comments about how I was the only person he could trust and how he could tell me all these things about his life and again narcissistic <laughs> control but so he would tell me that you know he can't open up to anybody else about his other relationships that I was the only person he could do that with and so he ended up telling me the names of his other girlfriends um in I would say it must have been June because by the time all of the allegations came out in June, um, I had found some of the people through Reddit. Okay. I actually uh, ended up connecting with a couple of the 
long-term serious girlfriends um over reddit and we yeah we ended up speaking and again we weren't supposed to be speaking to each other so it was very very stressful because we kind of had to hide like they were the only thing like that were they were the only people getting me through because I was so used to him having already at that point having so much control over what I did in my day how I presented myself all of these things so to go from that control to nothing I it's like I didn't know what to do with myself and that sounds ridiculous as a then 25 year old woman but I really didn't like I felt lost he already set the precedent that he was the most important element of my day aside from my daughter and so yeah we ended up kind of helping each other get through that time period because even with things like um, one of the girls was working through sobriety and he would always kind of be a source of, um, I guess, inspiration or help for her. And so we were struggling like pretty bad. And so, yeah, it was nice to have somebody and I wasn't allowed to talk about it, like to a certain extent, like at that point, I wasn't supposed to really be sharing information about him, but he wasn't incredibly serious about that until like I'd say a month or two later. Um, But yeah, so it was nice to be able to talk to somebody who understood. And looking back, I feel like it was damaging because we were able to normalize the situation for each other because we both were going through it. So it was like, it just seemed like a, a regular situation or like it was okay when already there were red flags that were starting to pop up with the control aspect. Yeah. So when he told you about his other girlfriends, what number was there that he shared five with you? when he told me their names okay and then you yeah. found multiple more? i found so okay he told me the names of four out of five of them i still don't know what the who the fifth name was um but i had found one and i ended up having a friendship with her um she was 16 when her and chris started seeing each other and they were in a 10 year long relationship. Um, so physically seeing her... each other, or was that started through text as well? And I mean, continued it's... with text yes, until she was of, of age? Both. A bit of both. Um, so they did see each other before she was of age uh-huh. um, in person. Okay. And yeah. And so then I had met, I had online met her. I had met somebody else who was with him, I think, for a year and a half at that point. Um, who had moved to California for him. Um, and then I knew one other girl's name that I just was never able to, we never connected, but I knew of her. Um, he kind of like gave me descriptions of the girls and like explained them to me, like their personalities and like a very rough, like Cliff's notes of these, these other women. Um, but yeah, so I ended up connecting with two of them okay. in total. Like there were many others that I connected with who had experiences with Chris. Um, and at that time I was really trying to figure out for myself where the truth lied because I went, I'd say it was about two, a week and a half to two weeks where Chris didn't contact any of us. He told us that he would be back um, mm. and to wait for him and this and that. And when he came back, it was very much like, oh, this is, these are lies and I have everyone abandoning me and nobody is like sticking by my side or trusting me. And so he very much preyed on our compassion 
and made it seem like this was just all an attack against him. So when he was gone in his absence, I was looking online at these different allegations and because things hadn't progressed so severely yet, I, it did seem so far, like just not logical to me. Like it didn't make sense in my head that this person who had been so sweet, who had paid my phone bill and been just like, he seemed like a good person just with strange kinks. Like, um, but he seemed like a good guy. So reading all this stuff, I was like, I didn't know what to believe. And then it was just such like a gross feeling in my gut when I would within those allegations that seemed so far out there would be little things like little comments that he made that he had said to me verbatim um like just very vulgar descriptions of people's bodies or very but super specific things where I knew that was how he spoke so I at that time was just it was a whirlwind because I was trying to figure out what I believed but then once Chris came back and I had all of that in my ear it was very hard to discern the truth from what I was seeing online it's 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 amazing to me because I mean think we we all heard the allegations come out that first round of allegations come out and then he just kind of disappeared for I don't know nine months or whatever he went away and Mm -hmm. uh it's it's crazy to me that he most people those allegations come out they're going to go hide and and, and, I mean literally disappear he worked that to his advantage with the girls and, and used it to get you guys more onto his side because oh they're yeah. you know they're doing me wrong here and you guys can understand it and oh yeah he made it seem like all of his friends just completely abandoned him that he had nobody except for us and i really like that's the kind of person i am in general where i just i want to be there to support somebody so when someone's saying oh you're the, one of the only people who has been helping me through this you're basically like a lifeline then I feel that obligation to, to be that for them, because I feel like I, I am that piece in their life, you know? And so he really, really, like I said, preyed on the compassion a hundred percent. So before the allegations came out, not to go backwards, Mm -hmm. but before the allegations came out, where was your headspace and your relationship with him? Where did you think you guys were going to go when he was, Hey, I have other girls, but what's the future for you then? genuinely I thought when because when he spoke about getting the second house um in my head I would be living in LA and he would be you know splitting kind of like what I was doing splitting time with his child and and you know coming to the other house as well like I thought it would just be like a back and forth situation and again navigating the waters of a divorce like I was trying to figure out what was normal in that regard and like what would be an ideal situation Um, So I really thought that it was going to turn into like a real tangible relationship. Um, And especially like, like I said, with all the promises that he was kind of holding over my head of the house and the finances and um, the just general support, like I really thought it was going somewhere, somewhere solid. And the non-monogamy part, honestly, for some reason, didn't bother me. Um, I figured, but one of the first red flags was he was non-monogamous, but he wanted monogamy from his girlfriends. So we weren't allowed to talk to any other guys without, like he would wanted access to like our Instagram messages and stuff. And with a couple of the girls, he actually had their passwords. 
Um, and like one of the things was he would have to approve everything that we posted, like, and the way he spun it in the beginning was, oh, I just want to like, see, I just want to make sure you're posting like things that are okay, blah, blah, blah. Like as if he was like protecting us. Um, same with the location and stuff. Like he framed everything as, oh, I'm just looking out for you. Like it was like, I can't be there physically to watch out for you. So mm. you know what I mean? So sure, but, as yep, if that makes was, sense. And by location, yeah. he, he had you turn your location so he could track your yeah. location correct yeah and okay. that was across the board with with his girlfriends that he needed to know where you were at all times um and then that started to become very isolating too because he would know if I was out so if I was out with friends or if I was wherever I was and I was still supposed to tell him even though he could like physically see it I still was supposed to tell him what I was doing what my plan was um and he started eventually to monitor um, where I was going and would say that like I had a certain time I had to be home even going to the grocery store it turned into like I would be shopping for groceries and would get a message saying you have to be home in 15 minutes or xyz like I would have to do such and such as like a punishment essentially yeah. um so this was every yeah, day so he... sorry all this was every day all day yes yeah so and that's wh not what was a typical including... day I mean what was a punishment and what what how did you feel during that, that evolved so in the beginning he didn't really say anything would happen if we didn't listen like it was just that he didn't want to talk to somebody who one of the things that i he quote unquote said was um i wouldn't keep a girl who disobeys mm -hmm. and i remember that being like a red flag moment for me because he was saying it in like a like a bdsm like kink way but it also, I was noticing that that was bleeding into our day-to-day, -day, like our personal life, where he would make comments about how the last girl who said no to me, I didn't speak to her for a month, or the last girl who said no to me and would like tell me that no wasn't an option. Um, but yeah, so in the beginning, there wasn't really much laid out in terms of any punishments. Um, but as time went on, it got really vulgar and dark I guess would be the word mm. um so there was some stuff that was detailed in Rolling Stone but yeah. like for instance um one time he had me he would like if he told you to masturbate am I allowed to talk about this on oh here? yeah you yeah. can you can yeah, say okay. it every, whatever you'd like and whatever you're comfortable okay. with yeah thank you um so he would just tell you on command to to masturbate wherever you were um, didn't matter if you were in a public place, if you were driving, you'd have to pull over if like, and this, this kind of, like I said, progressed over time. It wasn't like that at the beginning. Um, it was just like, he would be appreciative if you were to send him a video. Mm. Um, but it became after the cancellation, like I said, things kind of took a turn. Uh, so yeah, if you like the one time he had me doing it in a public parking lot, which ended up being a regular occurrence, but in a public parking lot and I was incredibly stressed out because there were people walking by and he said if you don't do what I'm saying right now I'll have you roll down your windows and show them who you belong to and so things like that where he would like intensify the consequence um or for instance like I would find out about things through either what he was telling me um, he had had other girls do or from my own experience things that I knew he was capable of kind of like coercing me to do um, so 
like for instance with the urination stuff um he would tell you like to either pee in a public place pee your pants whatever it was and part of the reason I was obliging is because I started to hear things about how he would have women defecate on the floor as a punishment and wow. film it and so in my head I was thinking like I would rather lesser of two evils you know like it right. was if you didn't immediately oblige to what he was saying he would make you do something more intense so in like for me I just would choose what seemed like the easier route and just do it because sure. I didn't want to know how far it would would progress how far yeah. he would go did it really take a turn was he I mean obviously like you said he would be appreciative of a video or something as as most guys are um mm -hmm. but did it was it dark did it start to get dark before the allegations or did he just really turn with his controlling after the allegations for me timeline wise it seemed like a, a drastic turn after that um but for other girls there was like more of a steady progression like where it did steadily progress for me in the beginning in terms of rules and different um just different controlling aspects like the location and whatnot um but I think it's just coincidental for me that it happened after the cancellation because if I look at the timeline of other people's relationships it seems like over the first few months it kind of got more and more intense sure. um I think the only time there was an intentional shift was like I said when I moved back from LA um that's when he introduced the the peeing the pants like things like that um he would talk about the fact that he knows he's able to force me to like talk to other men if he wants to that he would make me do things with other men like and this never ended up happening but he told me he would make me do things with other men um just to prove that he has that ownership over me um and the word ownership I feel like kind of started just after the cancellation um that's what he had said about the tattoo is that he wanted me to get it to show ownership mm -hmm. um and so it was definitely like a, a branding kind of thing um yeah, yeah. makes but, sense yeah did yeah. you did you fear physical abuse at any point i mean because i you know i want to ask a question like i think a lot of people are gonna well why didn't you just turn your phone off in these times and say mm -hmm. screw you like yeah. i'm not gonna do this for you and you know what i totally get why people feel that way and i've said it before it's unfortunate that people don't understand but i'm glad because i only know from going through it what how intense that was um I think for me and for a lot of the other girls, not to speak for anybody else, but um, it's, he made it so quickly a dynamic where he was all that you had. And he would tell you that, and he would make mm -hmm. comments. Like the comments started out light in the beginning. And again, kind of like fell under like a guise of like kink talk. Um, but he really created a situation where like, my I had no none of my friends anymore I had none of my family to talk to I um even just in terms of custody which is a separate thing but I was having struggles with that with my ex um so I really felt like he was the only thing that I I had at the time and so when someone's threatening to withhold affection or attention or um or they're hanging finances over your head it is a very scary thing to think about them pulling away. 
Um, especially, like I said, he always would make the comments about like, if you were to refuse him, that he would ice you out was his term, um, that he just wouldn't speak to you anymore. And because I had become so quickly, very dependent on his instruction, like he, like within the first few months would have me lay my outfits out before I left the house. Like I wasn't allowed to leave unless he had approved what I was wearing. Um, and that had started by just making the comment that he didn't want me to dress too sexy, uh, which eventually changed and he would want me to be like, a, kind of like showing off so that he knew like, he had control over me and uh, like right. that I was nobody else's like that sure. people could look but I wasn't theirs. Um, but in the beginning, yeah, it seemed like he was just being protective and just, and again, I, I appreciated that in the very beginning because it's like somebody was taking an interest in looking out for me. And that was something that I wasn't used to at the time. And so I forget where I was going with that, but yeah. <laughs> We're touching on a lot of things. It does yeah, no. seem that, the, that when you move back, he needed to, he felt he needed to tighten the control a little more and that up the yeah. game. And then with all the girls with the allegations is I got to make sure I don't lose any of them. And right. Yes. He really and, put the clamps on. Yeah. And I know he was very paranoid about people leaving and then talking um, and sharing their experiences. Um, right. But yeah, it definitely got a lot more intense around that time. And that's when he started to implement the idea of pain as well. Oh, that's where I was going. Yeah, with it. yeah the physical stuff, physical yeah. safety. Um, so because over time, it became clear, like from his words and from the way he would act that consent wasn't an option. Um, mm. That's where I say like, it, there was no physical abuse. There was in a sexual setting there was a time when he slapped me but besides that there was no physical sure. or anything like that was um, a slap during like a sexual yeah. encounter that it was part yeah. of play okay so i i yeah so i made the kind of like excuse that like whatever um but yeah so i the reason i would be scared for in a safety sense was that i knew or thought that I could not say no to anything and there were certain things that he would bring up that he wanted to do or that he was going to do to me um that I was so scared of I mean I had posted that thing about the wanting me to pass out and yeah. things like that where I just was so scared but I knew or again felt like I couldn't say no like I right. didn't have that option to refuse and so even like in terms of him getting angry whenever we would have sexual encounters, there were probably one or two times when it was less aggressive. Um, but like if I didn't follow an instruction immediately, he would snap and yell at me and like say really degrading things. Um, so as long as you went yeah, along so with everything, he was a nice guy. Yeah, exactly. He treated you good. And that's why you wanted to do it because that yeah. was essentially like the reward yeah. is that you were being treated well. And you like, because I had this image of him in the beginning of who he was and kind of what he was all about. And like I said, he was really generous. Like he, um, I had gotten incurred some data overages on my phone and he was like, well, that's my fault because of the location thing. He's like, I will cover that, blah, blah, blah. Um, so he just seemed like a very considerate person. Sure. And so in your head, when you're seeing this other side of them, it's like you just want that person back. And so it's like you'll 
you'll do and say whatever you can to appease them and to to get that side or that person that you thought existed back oh yeah a thousand percent i think it, until the light comes on the light isn't on right i mean that's that's the that's the thing with it you're, you don't see it you're in that world and and until you all of a sudden go oh shit this is happening i think mm-hmm. for me one of the most uh disturbing allegations i you know i've seen is is i know you suffered with an eating disorder and then he kind of preyed on that and and you know use it to his advantage yeah which yeah just um one of the things that was big for me was i was recognizing that i wasn't at my healthiest and i had asked him this is something that was covered in the documentary but i had asked him like would he feel a way about me putting on a bit of weight and just being healthier like I just wanted to be healthier a little bit thicker and that's when he told me that he has thick girls that he likes me dainty it's like he had a different image for each girl that they were supposed to fall under kind of like like Barbie dolls like he had one of each kind essentially and he wanted you to stay within what he wanted of you and there was even um the girl who I said was 16 when they first started seeing each other, um, she had talked about doing some physical enhancements and he refused with her adamantly because, and we kind of put the pieces together later that he didn't want her to have a body that seemed developed, too developed because Mm, uh. she was flatter and he knew her as that. And he Mm -hmm. wanted to keep her as that. Whereas with myself, he wanted me to get breast enhancement. He, uh, he talked about um, it being okay for me to have a nose job. Like he had an idea in his head of what he wanted everybody to look like. And you were supposed to ascribe to that. And for me, like the thing that I think hurt the most is that I had opened up to him about uh, the struggling with an eating disorder. He knew. And when I had that phone call with him, he tries to say that he he didn't know what he was doing he didn't but like we had had the conversation multiple times he absolutely knew what he was doing and I was doing really dangerous things to lose weight and I the more unhealthy I was the more he praised my body and the more he would make comments about that being so hot um even that other girl will call her Charlie um she had gone to her doctor and he told her she was severely underweight and Chris's response was, that's so hot. Like he literally wanted you to be or wanted specific girls to be as tiny as possible. And then is if you continue to be unhealthy, that just helped him that he knew that was playing into yeah, his, right? his thing. The unhealthy yeah. you are, the more I can manipulate you. Yeah, exactly. And I got to a point where I was at my absolute lowest physically, mentally, emotionally, Um and things got really, really dark. I mean, I don't know if you guys saw the in what I posted about him pitting me against that girl. That was Charlie. Yeah. Um, but he drove both of us absolutely insane, trying to convince us that the other person was like out to get us and stalking yeah. us. And I was I've never been in such a bad mental state. And I was at my wits end. And I remember that moment when I almost did something about it. Um, It was coincidental that Chris happened to, that's when he called me and he never called. It was always like snaps back and forth. Um, He ended up calling me that night and that's when he did the whole action figure. I don't know if you guys, if 
Okay, so <laughs> action figure. No, the video that you oh talking God, the video of you, you two talking is in the documentary. Which yeah, is, is so, very enlightening. I'll just kind of skim over this one quick, but so basically he texted me out of nowhere and we were kind of in like a bit of an argument because he it was when I had started talking to one of the other girls. So him and I were kind of arguing and all of a sudden he goes, is anybody else home? And I said, um, like my little siblings, but whatever. And he goes, I want you to go get a piece of paper and an action figure. And he's like, and tell me when you have that and want me to send a photograph of those things. So I thought he was doing some kind of cute, like, I don't know, couples exercise, whatever, <laughs> something. Sure. And so I had two phones at that time because I had my old one that I would use to go on TikTok live. And that's when things had started to get darker. So I had posted, um, I or sorry, I was taking pictures of our conversations sometimes when things would get really intense or really dark, or he'd say things that were really disturbing. Um, or sometimes I would take pictures of the good things to like look back on. Um, but anyways, so the other girl had told him that I had a second phone. So he called me and he said, I want you to get the phone that you go live on. And then, so I got the phone. He's like, I'm going to like get you to go live. And I was like, my heart's racing. Cause I hadn't talked to him on the phone at this point. And this was months and months in, we had just yeah. sent videos back and forth. Um, so then I'm like on the phone with him video call and he tells me to go live. So I get the phone he's like, no, and stops me. And he tells me to open my camera roll. And he wanted to see because he knew that there were pictures of our conversations in there. Right. And that's when on the phone, he had me delete my entire camera roll. And I lost, I deleted that iCloud account. So I lost literally three years of memories that were on that phone of my daughter, my life, my so many things. Um, and then I had asked him after we got off the phone and he made it very clear that if I ever did anything like that again, that he would be, it would be like, he never existed. Um, and when we got off the phone, I asked him what the action figure was for. And he said, he just needed to catch me off guard. <sighs> and I thought that was absolutely insane, but well, it is. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, I suppose as you go along, they just get better and better at tricks. Is, is my yeah. thought yeah and the more they get away with it the more they well, refine their ability yeah i'm gonna kind of touch on that later but um i do want to talk about your mindset during when he he came out with this apology video so he comes out with this apology video um i got my take on you know on it um but I, how but you had to watch it and what was your mindset when you were watching yeah. it because you're living it yeah, I had zero idea that that was coming. None of us did. Um, so I stumbled across it because, again, he had me watch all of his content, um, which eventually turned into him having me thank him every time he posted on Instagram. Um, he just wanted me to consume every bit of content that he posted. Um, so anyways, I stumbled across the video and I watched it. And I remember being so shaken because I was so confused by it um everything was normal he was talking to us like normal it was continued as we were and so to hear him say these things and to in in my brain like he was saying them pretty convincingly yeah. and so I was just honestly shocked and I didn't know what to think and 
I asked him, I said, I was like, if this is you saying like, this is done, like you are turning a new leaf, you are whatever. I like, I accept that. Like I want whatever's best for you. Um, and he was adamant about the fact that he wants nothing to change, that this is, yeah, that he wants things to be completely as they were. Yeah. I fully admit I was, I was suckered by the apology video. I fully admit to that. When I saw it, I was like, Oh, okay. You know, it sounds like most of the stuff was while a little disgusting and probably he really didn't do anything illegal at the time. So you didn't know all of it. Right. Didn't know all of it at the time. So you're like, okay, go about your way. Um, I rewatched it uh, last night, the apology video, just just yeah. to see. And I and during halfway through it, he does turn it to himself. You know, he shifts yeah. it to himself about uh, the stuff and how feel bad for me and how look what I'm going through and mm-hmm. and all yes. this stuff. So that you kind of sucker in, but mm-hmm. and it's it's interesting because it. even within that, there's no acknowledgement for the people that right. he's hurt. It's just a very baseline like oh i was using my fame and he never actually goes into the fact that he's been abusing women emotionally no, it, was, it was hard on him for years yeah this was hard it was, on him it was a struggle for him you right, know right. like it just and that's the thing too i it seemed so sincere when i first watched it and looking back now there's certain tells where i can see where he's like where it makes it obvious that he's lying but at the time I a hundred percent thought it was genuine and was incredibly confused because again, no lead up, no, nothing. I just stumbled on it. So what, so thinking of that, so he made the line of, you know, this is not who I want to be, (laughs) but Mm. as you said, nothing changed. So no, it was absolutely, how do you take that to change? Yeah. He didn't want to change at all. He wanted to keep things the same. If anything, that was when he started to talk to me about wanting me to basically like be scoping for girls on Tinder. And he wanted me to be finding girls for him because he could, he had to stop right. He, yeah. the track yeah. of him being out there. So he was doing it for you. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. He's, he's good. Yeah. And you know, I don't mm-hmm. want to compare because I mean, but you know, it's similar to the, the, uh, Jeffrey Epstein thing, Epstein, where he, yeah. Epstein yeah. Yeah. Where, you know, where he had somebody out looking for, for women for him you know, in his case, unfortunately, very young women, but you know, and that's, that's the thing that's really unfortunate is that I've gotten comments like that, um, comparing me to Ghislaine Maxwell. Sure. Um, and it, it sucks because I never went through with passing along anyone to him. I never would have spoken to somebody who wasn't of age. I remember there was one instance where, Chris had me send nudes to this other girl to encourage her to send them back. And she was 18 on Tinder. And I remember feeling so nauseous and not okay because out of nowhere she ghosted. And then I got the sickest feeling thinking, what if she wasn't 18? Like what? Mm. Like, and I just morally, it just made me feel so sick. And he would try to make it so that I was talking to girls Literally, he wanted the conversations of specific girls to be ongoing every day. And that was one of the things I I lied to him about, as I would say that I would be talking to people because I just I didn't it didn't sit right with me. And so to have that comparison makes me feel physically nauseous because it's like I that's not me. And that's so far from what I would ever want to do. So it's just Mm -hmm. it. Yeah, 
Yeah, and let me make let me make it clear. Like that. That's not the comparison I'm making. Oh I'm no, not, no no no! I I didn't take yeah, it that way, yeah. but I it's funny you bring it, it up because I yeah. have gotten that online. Yeah, okay. more more comparing him to Epstein, 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 yeah. whatever. <laughs> yeah, whatever that guy's <laughs> name was. Um. Yeah. I, yeah. I know at, at one point in the documentary, it's alleged that you talked with his wife. Yeah. How did that come about, and where is it now? Yeah, and. I mean, wow. Because <laughs> she's with yeah. them. They're still together. That's what's so odd. Yeah. Yeah. So originally I had spoken to her and I believe it was May of last year. Um, I all leading up to the wedding, because I had left for good in April and all left for good. like what do you knowing. Mean left? What do you mean? left? For like good? I had left Chris for good in April. Okay, of, okay. Yeah. And so I knowing the wedding was coming I just started to it's like I spent so long letting Chris kind of dehumanize Kristen and not seeing her as a person and I take responsibility for that as well I didn't I didn't have the empathy that I should have and looking back it just I felt awful for the fact that I remember him saying they were going to be trying for another baby and all of these things and just knowing that she has no idea that this is not only is he leading a double life triple quadruple like he is a completely different yeah. man than yeah. she knows and he I will say is dangerous and so I wanted to reach out to her and just at least let her know so she wasn't so she was going into a wedding at least knowing who she's marrying sure and so i wanted to reach out to her i originally because i knew that chris had access to other girls instagrams i assumed that was the case with kristen so i didn't want to reach out directly and i had heard that she just would block you immediately if you said anything about allegations or about chris or whatever so I'd imagine I had he had his out. own way of manipulating her yeah 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 and I had reached out to a friend of hers, um, uh, one that she had like posted, like that people knew of was like a close childhood friend of hers. Sure. Um, and I reached out and the girl had said to me that she would tell Kristen when the time is right. And this was right before they were getting married. Mm. And so I thought like, if there's any time that there's not, there's no good time. But if there's any time that's right, it's now. Yeah, probably know? before the wedding. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And so I ended up her numbers in white pages. So I had found her number hmm. and I texted her and said, is this Kristen? And so we started communicating that way. And then she ended up calling me and on the phone. All she did was scream at me and berate me, call me a whore, call me a liar, call me all these things. Didn't believe a word that I was saying. Um, and I sent her everything I had, Airbnb dates, um, like certain snaps that kind of were proving I was in that area. And the interesting thing was Chris, he would pick all of my Airbnbs and I didn't know his address. And he, it turns out that the Airbnbs that I stayed in were literally at the end of his street. Um, so oh, yeah, so she, she, run she back knew and forth. from this stuff that I was telling the truth. Um, but she instead decided to flip it on me, which I can't blame her for her reaction because I can't imagine how I would react in that situation. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that was kind of the end of that for a while. She basically said like, you have no tangible proof. I'm sorry. 
Um, and then I ended up hearing, uh, we had a mutual friend for a while um, that was in that circle. And I ended up hearing a story about something that Kristen did to kind of appeal to Chris and without getting into the story, cause I don't want to disclose anyone else's personal information. Um, but basically it proved a hundred percent that Kristen believed everything I said. Sure. Um, and she just decided to disregard it, got married. Um, then I found out that she was pregnant and after I had that phone call with Chris and recorded it, I sent it to her in the fall. And I said, you wanted tangible proof. Sure. There yeah, you go. Proof, yeah. And she profusely apologized. She actually asked if um, myself and she talked to Charlie, uh, the one who was 16. Um, she talked to both of us and she wanted us to sit down either over the phone or whatever in a therapeutic setting with Chris and Kristen and their therapist and they adamantly denied that when the Rolling Stone article came out even though I, I have all of the screenshots and I have all of the messages from when she asked but so she had said that she wanted help navigating through this and she wanted she like thanked us for our assistance and she apologized and basically admitted that she you know believed everything that mm. we were telling her and then that was it she sent him to rehab for i think it was a month and that was it so i guess then for her from her point of view it's kind of like um again in love with this man um yeah. and he's playing it off as okay what if i was an alcoholic and i need help mm-hmm. it's an yeah. it's an addiction so the same thing i just need help and then it will stop and i'm sure mm-hmm. she wanted the man she met at yeah. the beginning exactly to come back and, and that's where she was okay with it i guess yeah and the thing is if it was purely a sex addiction i would have hope that he could and would change but it's not it's It's abuse it's just a blatant disrespect for women and other people it's so many things that you don't heal by going to a little rehab stint and i learned from the first time around when he was supposed to be off his phone and stuff like he just goes right back to the same thing and he would take any opportunity he could to shoot a message and check in and do all these things when he was supposed to be this reformed family man and like he admitted over and over again he doesn't want to change he's not going to change so it's like it unfortunately removes that element of hope like in in me at least that there's going to be any difference because if he's not caught he will keep doing the exact same thing over and over well it's it's the same thing you he yep i'm a sex addict i'm going for that but that's not his problem so it's you know it's you got to go for the right problem and i think he's got a control god complex yeah that he proved during getting caught and canceled when he clamped down on you and made you go more and more what can i what what he can had I me push call him God. Oh, he you? literally had me call him God. Oh my gosh. Oh, I'm not I'm not joking. He oh, I, I I know that. Because at first he would um he liked when I would say that he was like a Greek god, like that he mm. was like I made a comment before, and then he literally said verbatim, I am God. This was like close to the end, but he literally said verbatim, I am God. And, and I can get away with everything. Worshipped. 
everything oh, yeah. i can get he i'm sure he just said i, I can continue to get away with it because yeah, at that I, point yeah. he yeah I, everybody of i've course. been you know and he's got everybody fooled he's yeah you know and, mm -hmm. I, and I, I think just the you know you talk about the abuse to to the ladies but also like the people in his lives in his friends and family that you know now he makes them have to answer for him and exactly you know, when all the allegations come out and and all the comedians that have been close to him have to answer questions about him and you're like this isn't yeah. fair i shouldn't you know like you're putting me to, in yeah. a bad spot so and yeah. not only just that i know that he's not just manipulative with the females in his life it's also with his friends and the people around him oh, he sure. is known for whether it be actual or emotional blackmail like he's known for that and he holds things above people's heads and he has information on people that they he has he holds he finds a way to get power over you and he holds that and that's why i do i mean there's a lot of people who want to drag down mike and mark with him um and i think there's a lot of things that they should acknowledge and atone for but at the same time i also know what it's like to make bad decisions when you're under the influence or being coerced by somebody so mm -hmm. it's like i you know, I don't, to be honest, have empathy for Chris, but I do have a bit of empathy for Mike and Mark because I, I know how Chris is and how powerful he can be, which is, I hate even saying that, but he does have this really, really well-crafted way of obtaining power over someone. Yeah. Okay. So Mike and Mark for people that yeah. don't know who the, who that is yeah so uh mike was his opener for quite some time uh he no longer opens for him um but there were accusations of um potentially like people thinking that something was slipped in their drink um so i mean if that's the case i obviously have no right. i don't have sympathy for that but i mean in general with the whole people were faulting them for finding girls for Chris because mm -hmm. they would at shows pass out his number and things like this. And again, being somebody who was in a situation where they felt like they had to appease him. I can, I can understand to an extent what that's like. And yeah. so, yeah, they're, they're close friends of, I actually was like, I ended up hanging out with Mark a few times. Um, he, was nothing but kind um and that was originally what Kristen tried to blame it on as she said that the person you were seeing wasn't Chris it was Mark Hayes and I was like oh nope and she tried to say she's like I was with Chris those times and I turned it turned out that she was lying yeah but anyways um yeah so Mike and Mark are two there were two very close friends of Chris's well the same thing he held over their head well you're you're going to be off tour. You're not yeah, going to be my comedy Oprah. Career, right. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to ruin your comedy career. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I know he had a lot of financial pull as well, like yeah. with them. So yeah, he figures out what he can do to get his hooks in. And, and that's, that's completely it. different than, and it goes back to, you know, he says, I, I didn't do anything illegal. Mm -hmm. So I don't know all of it, but um, in the whole thing, he could find people, you know, he could find women to fall into the whole, um, what do you call it? BTM, you know, did I say that right? No. BDSM? Yes. <laughs> yeah. You know, where you could, you know, well, they, BTM. Are you talking I, about that K-pop band? I, maybe, maybe that's what I want to 
I mean, that's my kink. No, anyways. <laughs> you know, I mean, he could find women that would be into it. And then you start and yeah. then you're done. But you have your start and stops, you know, I think with that stuff. Yeah. This, is, this goes beyond that. Yeah. After talking with you, it's, yeah. this goes beyond that. That's that yeah. God complex. That's that. What can I get away with? And I cannot be taken down. Yeah. Yeah. It's. Yes. It's and, abuse. And it's key- abuse a key thing about a healthy BDSM relationship. And like, I don't have all that much experience in that <laughs> regard, but one thing I do know is that there is a base level respect mm-hmm. and care yeah. for that person. It's not like you might say things in the moment that like, if, if degradation is your thing, you might say things in the moment, but you're not letting that outside of bedroom time. You know what I mean? Right. Like that's, Correct. you're not letting that carry out. You're not actually, convincing this person that they have no value you're not telling this person on a regular day that they're they're nothing like you know what i mean it's yes, there's yeah, a thousand percent a way yeah. to what do was... a bdsm thing in a healthy way and then there's what chris is doing which goes so far the other end into the abuse territory she yeah. said it so much better than i did she did yeah a thousand yeah. percent you did 100 percent. thank you That's what I tried to say. <laughs> um you did great <laughs> Have you had any contact? Was there was the phone call that was recorded in the documentary? Is that the last contact you've ever had with Chris? Or yeah, um, I did send a message to Kristen, which they also tried to spin as harassment. It was me saying that I hope. Actually, I could probably even read it, but it was me basically saying that I hope um, that the people who deserve to be held accountable are, and that there's minimal damage to um the people who don't deserve it the people who are just around him um and yeah that got spun as i was well what do you say to people that say you're just you're just a woman scorned and that's why he reached out to his wife i'm sure you get that a lot i get that a whole lot um (laughs) you know what and i only ever reached out to her in a compassionate way Mm -hmm. and so if i was just a woman scorned i would want to take her down take everyone like it's not about that. It's about stopping Chris. Yeah. And yeah, I had said, cause they had found out about the article. Um, cause they had to be, they had to let them know at Rolling Stone. Yeah. Um, I said with this article coming out, I want to say, I hope it only aids in bringing justice to the people it should with minimal negative repercussions for those around Chris. I know the timing is not ideal after just having had your newborn, but this needed to happen. Um, I've gone on and off with how I feel about your role. I still do my best to empathize with you. I know how upsetting it is that uh, you know what you, or sorry, despite how upsetting it is that you know what you know and turn the other cheek. It was so hard for me to finally leave and I'm not tied to him in the complex way that you now are. So in that way, I can't imagine how difficult it's been, regardless of how angry and hurt I am that you didn't take action after learning so much about what he's done. All that said, I don't wish any ill will upon you and sincerely hope it's as minimal of a strain on you, Calvin and Will, as possible. And mm. that was their defense is that I've been harassing and contacting Kristen. But before that, the last contact was from Kristen and it was thanking me and saying that, you know, she will reach out if she needs anything. So, yeah. Anyways. But she's still chosen to help with his addiction and as she sees it and move yes. on with her life. Yeah. And I yeah. guess that's her choice. Exactly. And there's, and it's on one hand, it feels like a slap in the face because mm-hmm. I mean, that was my life for over two years. Like, and for someone to know that and, and believe you and supposedly understand, and then to turn around and just minimize all of that by disregarding yeah. it, it sucks. But I mean, 
like you said, it's her choice and there's nothing I can do about that. Well, I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm hoping, you know, my, my fantasy, my mind is that she's biding her time until she's got enough yeah. proof to take him for everything that he's worth. And <laughs> that's, you yeah. know, that's kind of what I'm like, okay, she's just doing what she has to do well, until I'm, she makes sure that she, you know, she's my head, care. Going, who here, who here thinks that that's gonna, that marriage is gonna last. He's gonna come out. Yeah. It's gonna come out and she's gonna feel manipulated as well in a different way. And she's yeah. gonna the door. I, you, no. But that's almost why I think she won't be because feeling like, and I've seen the posts where Chris will talk about how she saved him. And she, like, mm. when you feel like you're that person's mm -hmm. lifeline, that is hard. And I can't imagine, I know what it was like for me. So I can't imagine being married to that person, having children yeah. with that person. So I honestly don't know. I mean, I guess time will tell but time will tell yeah who knows yeah. i do have, I, mean, I do have one more question not one more question we have plenty plenty and then we want to end it at, <laughs> not that we're ending but i wanted to just kind of touch on um and say what you want did he ever um talk about your your daughter did he did that ever come up did he like ever want to to meet her and i'm just thinking of the preying on young girls thing mm -hmm. did you ever feel unsafe with her around him Yes. So it and, and got just to that point. Share what you want. Share what yeah. you want. So it got to that point. I didn't in the beginning. I, again, didn't want to think negatively of him. I didn't want to look too far into things. Um, but eventually, and I remember a big part of leaving was Charlie had said to me, would you ever want this for your daughter? Like, would you ever want this situation for her? And I remember that being such a gut punch. But yeah, I, there were a couple things where I wondered if I was just looking at it too critically. Um, like for instance, he would save videos of me in the chat, um, like explicit videos. And the one time he had saved one and the next video, cause we were just snapped kind of like vlog style, like through the day. And I had made t-shirts with my daughter and I was just showing him that we made the t-shirts and it was just a video of her walking around and it was, it was really cute. And he saved that in the chat and it was right underneath that video of me. And I remember feeling so uncomfortable because those two worlds, they totally, don't yeah. collide in any regard. And hmm. I remember asking him to unsave it because I just, I felt very strange about it. It didn't, I don't know. It didn't sit right with me. Um, and then just, little things like I remember one time he said to me I had sent a video again it was just like a, a regular like a, a harmless like a, a normal video of like my my day my daughter and he out of nowhere like a little while later said to me you're so hot and your daughter's so cute and I remember that was another moment where I was like why are you intermixing yeah these yeah. two things and then the reason it started to become much more of an uncomfortable thing for me is because down the road I had found out that he would have somebody call him dad one of the girls instead of daddy um and he said to me one time about my own father like he's not your dad I am and I just remember feeling like the fact that family was being mixed into it so much just made me feel really not okay the more the more those little things, like, cause I kind of buried those feelings. I thought like, there's no way because yeah, I do think he has questionable interest in teen yeah. girls. 
but it's I never wanted to view it the other way. So it's like, I kind of like was like, would brush it off and think like, oh, I'm just being crazy. Like there's nothing like, I'm just like looking too far into it. Um, but there were definitely moments where I felt uncomfortable and it just kind of got worse over time until I finally just, again, for myself, for my daughter, for my family. So you're, so you're back in Canada now? Yeah. And yeah. okay. I haven't been in LA since uh, December, 2021. All right. Well, good luck. Uh, everything with your daughter. She deserves Thank you. Thank you very much. So I'm curious, and in in, I know in the phone call, you met, you said something about not despising him. Do you despise him now? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. mean, you, you well, um, <laughs> I still, when it comes to me, I don't want anything bad to happen to anybody per se. I just want justice. So maybe despise is the wrong word, but it's more so that I hate what he's doing. Yeah. I hate what he's done to people with no remorse. I don't want to say I hate him because I feel like everybody like has reasons why they are the way they are. I don't know what happened in his childhood. I don't know what, like there are things that build you into the person you are and they're not all your fault, but what you do with that is. is yeah. So I, there's definitely like a, a dislike yes <laughs> you, you, you well you said that very nicely you <laughs> say you. you say justice what would be the proper justice for for chris in your mind i don't think he should be able to be performing i don't think because he uses his fame to access young women um i think that's one big thing um and i think even in terms of just acknowledgement like he has again no remorse no acknowledgement for what he's done and what he's doing and I think that's a big thing like I genuinely think that he deserves to have to whether it be and this was another thing that they brought up in the article I do think that Chris should be paying for trauma therapy I do think that there mm -hmm. are many things that I think he's on the hook for like he's changed people's lives forever in negative ways like and again, there's a lot of regrets on my end, but at the same time, I wouldn't have the strength that I do today without having gone through that. So I don't want to say I, you know, regret everything because it made me who I am and it made me realize my priorities in my life. Um, but yeah, I definitely think acknowledgement and to not have access to what he has access to right now. And I, I don't think that he deserves the platform that he has. And I think that that's a huge thing. When I say justice, that's what I mean, is yeah, having a great that. way to put it. I never thought of that, you know, that to pay for it's the trauma therapy. The trauma therapy yeah, that, I agree huge. a thousand percent with yeah. that. Yeah, and great point. Like you say, unfortunately, yeah, he has seen no decrease in ticket sales or YouTube subscribers or, you know, I mean, it is pretty sad what people are willing to just, you know, especially overlook. his fan base. They are so so tightly connected to him that they will write off anything like yeah. no matter how much proof you have no matter mm -hmm. how many people come forward they will just think it's an attack against him and it, it's almost the same as when he has a girl wrapped around his finger yeah. he has so many of his fans just completely glued to whatever he says whatever his truth is i it's it's sad and yeah. it's I've gotten so many online attacks like I just you have to tune it out I've learned that but yeah they are really really um, volatile 
<laughs> so how are, excited were you when uh, Kyle Anderson and contacted you about the documentary? We would like to, we want to get that documentary out there more and more. That's for sure. Yes. Yeah. I, I actually had heard about it. Um, it's funny because this was supposed to be a thing back when the first round of allegations came out. Um, they were working on a documentary and for a few reasons it ended up falling through um but I remember hearing about it then and I obviously had a very different take on it at that, that, that like at that time I was nervous and I was stressed out about this documentary because I was thinking it was going to be a hit piece and I again was under yeah. the influence of Chris but um yeah when it came back into talks I was so excited because I originally was going to do it anonymously um, but I started to learn as I was posting anonymously my story that people seem to discredit and write off things if you don't attach yeah. yourself to it. They're like, these are just anonymous allegations, blah, 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 and tend to write it off. And it took me a while to get to the point, first of all, that I was even willing to talk about anything publicly at all, but to get to the point where I just figured, sorry, pardon my French, but like, fuck it. Like, I'm just going to... I'm going to do it and I'm going to go all out with it and say everything and not be afraid anymore. Because I think that was like one thing for me is that I spent so long being afraid of Chris and afraid of repercussions that I just figured we're going to do this and yeah. we're going to go all in with it. Which a lot of girls did, didn't uh, want their name said. Yeah. So mm -hmm. for you to do Which it I is can... huge. Was that a, but is that a, Hey Chris, you don't control me anymore. Yes. Again, a direct fuck 100%. you to him. Yeah. Well, yeah. good for you. Good for you. Thank you. And I respect anybody who didn't feel comfortable sure. doing that. I totally get it. Um, it's just I think everyone kind of gets to that point on their own timeline. And yeah. you know, there are and there's even people who were supposed to be in the Rolling Stone article that didn't end up feeling comfortable with the with attaching their name, whether anonymously or not. They just didn't want to. Mm -hmm didn't want to talk and I can like I said like I say respect that because I was at that point before and sure. I know what that's like to be afraid and well, we, I totally get it well, we we certainly applaud your bravery I yeah. mean it thank it, you it takes a lot of moral strength to come out and be the one and you know you look at like the Bill Cosby situation it took one mm -hmm. it took one woman to come out and then the strength of her, you know, built and now it's two women. Now it's five women. Now it's so who knows what, you know, you being you being the face fit will do. Maybe some of these other women will be like, okay, she came out and, and she's still she's still good. So yeah. I can be and, too. and that's one thing that I had to keep reminding myself is I mean it's different, but on on another level, it's kind of similar. Like when I started to find girls who had similar experiences to me. Like when I started to connect with other girls who had been with Chris, like having somebody who can relate to what you've gone through and in, in such a, like a seemingly, I mean, it's not a unique experience because there's so many of us, but in such like a, a strange situation to have somebody who understands that and can relate to you, like that makes all the difference and made me feel it's like once I started getting closer to some of the girls, I that kind of increased my drive to want to get out and my drive to want to talk about it. Sure. Give you some strength. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Good. 
Well, hopefully we can give you a little strength too. Let's talk about something fun before we go. Your your musical mm-hmm. career. You yes. have a you have a budding yeah. musical career. We uh I have to ask, I gotta know that your your single you <laughs> is it titled you <laughs> as as a coincidence, we all know we all know Mr. Delia played a bit of a pedophile in the phrasing itself, but in the show mm-hmm. you. So was that intentional? <laughs> Um, yes. <laughs> yes good, good for you. I love it. Good Thank you very much. That was like my little mini, like my little mini fuck you. Cause it was, I actually wasn't allowed to be releasing music when I was with him. Oh, um, he, yeah, he wanted me, he would talk about how he wants me to go after my career and do all these things. And then he started implementing rules like that. He had to read all the lyrics before I could post anything that he had to confirm whether or not it was okay. And so one big thing when I left him was writing again and getting back to myself and having that outlet just felt so good. And so that was like my snarky little, like for you, good for you. But you got it. You got a lot to write about. Yes. Yeah. It's given me a lot of material, I will say. (laughs) And you look, you look beautiful with bangs. So (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much. So, uh, yeah, let's let's continue on with that. I mean, uh, Spotify, it's on Spotify, it's on yeah. Apple Music. You've got yeah. a bunch of singles out right now. Um, I do, yes, on all streaming through... platforms. <laughs> what, is, what is the ultimate goal? I mean, are you, you know, are you looking to be touring musician? Is that what's... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I want to be touring. I want to get back into making content for my music like music videos and nice. being back in the studio again I'm I'm kind of getting to re-find my passion for that oh, and yeah. it feels it's so beautiful because I just that was something that was such a huge creative outlet for me like I love all aspects of it the visual the writing the production like it's all such a huge passion for me so it's it feels very very good to get back and be involved in that again have so. you performed live Yes, I used to before COVID quite okay. often. And then when COVID happened, it kind of derailed everything. Sure. And then Chris happened and that derailed everything. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Well, we'll be keeping our ears open to you. I love I love the singles. They're beautiful. You have a yes. beautiful voice. So thank you very much. We uh, I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, we're looking forward to more music and uh, yeah. get on the road. That'd be great. Yeah. Yeah, well, I'll get you guys a ticket when I do. Awesome. Awesome. We'd Thank love you. to see it. We really <laughs> appreciate you coming on and talking about this. I know it's not the easiest thing in the Could world to talk about. Yeah. But uh Yeah. You are you, but are you putting... guys were wonderful. So thank you very much. Well, I, I have to say we've done a hundred and some odd episodes of this thing, and I think this is the most important one we've ever done. So we we really appreciate it. And we, you know, if you ever need anything, if you ever want to talk about anything else, you ever, you know, you ever anything yeah, else you want to get off your chest, we're here for Reach you. Out so for let it. us know. Thank you so much. Genuinely, you guys are great. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Thanks so much. Have a well, good where can everyone oh. find you? Oh, Let's yeah. do that. Let's do a quick that. Um, we we were I think we were just caught up with it. <laughs> caught up in the moment. Yeah. It was a great moment though. So because because obviously we could have people on and tell your side of the story, but I mean everything was heartfelt and uh, yeah, yeah. I believe it. But where can people find you? And we're going to push the documentary for sure because I think I think that's a big yeah. thing to people to hear not only just watch you talk but watch the documentary um thanks to kyle anderson for doing that um we're gonna reach out to him yeah he did a great job he did Mm -hmm. didn't he yeah Um, if you're you're in contact with kyle tell him we would love we would love to have him on i messaged him and and i don't know that he's seen it but we would love to have him on to talk about it yeah yeah absolutely 
And I, my yeah. main thing with him is he says that at the end is, you know, I mean, he's not getting anything out no. of this other than mm-hmm. kind of you. He need, he kind of needs to be stopped. He's ruining the comedy mm-hmm. world for Kyle. Um, mm-hmm. And he's ruining women's lives. So mm-hmm. yeah. where can everybody find you? Um, So on Instagram, it's tattooed ingenue. T-A-T-T-O-O-E-D-I-N. G-E-N-U-E. I'm glad you, I'm glad you said that because I would have never been able to pronounce yeah, that. It's great <laughs> and I spell. probably messed up, but no, you did not. I, and, then, and then Jasmine Wolf on YouTube and all streaming platforms. Two Zs and a Y, two L's and an E. Yeah. Two Zs. That must be a Canadian thing. Two Zs. Oh, two Zs. <laughs> it feels so weird to say. I remember having to spell my name out in the States and saying J-A-Z-Z just doesn't feel right to me. It is Canadian. J-A-Z-Z. I love it. I love it. Thank Perfect. you so much. Appreciate Enjoy- all your time. You. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Thanks. You guys too. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. The tavern is closed for now, but we'd love to have you back for more fun next time. Seriously, though, get your asses out of here. DC, I host the rock podcast, Back to the Arena, the Interviews. It's about a 30-minute podcast where I talk one-on-one with a band who has released new music. You can find us on all the best podcast sites like Spotify, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, and more. If you're a rock fan like me, subscribe today to Back to the Arena, the Interviews. Electric acid. Today is working for me. Do you believe that for yourself? Hey, I'm Pastor Julie, and I want to empower you through encouragement, inviting you to my podcast, Big Truth Encouragement, where I unpack living a faith-filled life. I created my podcast for the ladies, but gentlemen, you'll gain something too. So I invite you to listen to Big Truth Encouragement on ElectroCast and any platform where you listen to your podcast. ElectroCast. Electric acid.